Today's podcast is brought to you by AppleCatZebra.com. Go over to AppleCatZebra.com, find local mentors, coaches, events, business um, events, trade shows, you name it. All things business related can be found at AppleCatZebra.com. If you're looking for payment processors, SMS solutions, website developers, anything of the sort, you can find it at AppleCatZebra.com. Today's podcast, we're going to talk about the COVID-19 crisis and Trump's handling thereof. Me personally, I think he really got caught up on this one. You know, it was a huge mistake that has been made. And the question is going to be whether that bell can be unrung or not. It's, it's a really tricky situation. Now, to give the guy credit and for you guys out there listening to understand, I've I've overall been a Trump supporter. There's a few things, of course, that I don't agree with him on. But, you know, overall, you could put me down in the column as a as a Trump supporter. And, you know, when it comes to this COVID-19 crisis, it's just been the most bizarre thing to watch him, frankly, make the mistakes that he's made. And I'm not saying that those mistakes are unforgivable. I'm not saying that, you know, we need to throw the guy under the bus for him. Maybe he, he may very well need our support more now than ever. But there's a lot of things that we as citizens have to be extremely vigilant about and cautious of. For example, there's the very real possibility, and you know, I don't like to really go here, but it's just something that you have to be cognizant of and at least acknowledge as a possibility that, you know, perhaps Trump is not the guy we thought he was. You know, um, if you were to take and ask me, hey, what would be the ultimate strategy to bring into play the new world order or, you know, some of these, you know, kind of, kind of conspiracy sounding type theories, you know, if, if you were to try and quote unquote, take down America, take down the United States, the most intelligent methodology for doing that would be to get someone in power that could appease the base of conservatives. You know, those are the folks that are you know, they're, they're freedom-loving, gun-toting, Bible-thumping Americans. Those are the ones, you know, and I, I would probably classify myself in that crowd. These are the ones that are going to take up arms against their government should it get out of control. So you would need someone in place that could appease that base long enough that you could get a stranglehold on things. And, you know, there's a very real possibility here that a lot of this has been misdirection, especially when you take into consideration how dramatic it has been. You know, the fact that the press has been so extremely anti-Trump to the extent of nothing like we've ever seen before. And I think, ironically, that's the very thing that's made so many of us side with him. But we have to be careful because that would also be a brilliant strategy, right? You make it seem as though you're at enemies with your, your you know, you're an enemy with your ally. And it's, it would be an, a very, very good use of misdirection. So here we are all pulling for the guy supporting him. And yet behind the scenes, he may very well not be the guy we have hoped he was. Now, I'm not saying that I'm there yet. I'm just trying to raise that flag and raise that awareness before it's too late because some of the things that have taken place have been very very bizarre to say the least you know trump was the gentleman that gave this whole covid 19 all the press you know no one else no one else even had the attention or the media coverage to facilitate 
the type of attention that he gave to it. You know, when Trump speaks, the world listens. And people say, well, this shutdown took place all over the world. Well, contrary to what a lot of the media would have you believe, the the world, by and large, still looks up to the United States. And, you know, where the United States goes, the world tends to follow. So you can't really make the argument that this isn't a Trump shutdown. I mean, he gave it center stage. He was the one that started the COVID-19 task force. He banned Asian travel. He banned European travel. Even when all of the Democrats and people in the press were saying it was nothing to be concerned with, including Fauci, um, who's a piece of shit, by the way. That guy, just, there's that. That's a very concerning element. The fact that Trump gave that guy the mic. I mean, it doesn't take a historian to go in and see Fauci's track record. He's never been good at predictive modeling. He's through over the course of his career hasn't been hugely accurate. He's worked with the Clintons extensively, worked with the Gates at WHO extensively. I mean, it's a bizarre position to take that Trump is not in cahoots, so to speak, with that group, yet here he is handing Fauci the mic, and here he is giving those predictive modelings all the attention and touting himself from the podium that, you know, we could have deaths exceeding, you know, two million. Um, And I'll get into the other scenario that could happen here in a minute, but I, I just want to draw attention to this and at least have all of everyone out there listening and thinking because again you know this is this is thought wars after all and you know the 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 number one war that takes place in mankind today is the the war for the hearts and minds of man right and so it's so important that we be like i said cognizant of the possibilities that this guy isn't who we've thought he was or had wanted him to be he hasn't shrunk the size of the federal government he's extended it um he hasn't done some of the things that someone who was truly anti-establishment would tend to do now again i'm i'm a trump supporter overall i was i was one of the ones out there wearing the mega hats and and touting him and and i still support him as opposed to Biden, as opposed to a lot of the alternatives, but that brings up another question. I mean, some of you may have seen my video where I said, why are the Democrats throwing the 2020 election? Here you have a candidate in Biden that clearly can't win, clearly, obviously can't win, can't even put together a coherent sentence. And you've got Obama, who is still a wildly popular political figure. Whether you liked him or not, the guy still has a lot of clout and a lot of power. Obama could have very easily gone out and they could have found somebody, anybody, that could have put together a more effective campaign than Biden. All in all, it would have taken was Obama going out and saying, look, your party needs you, your country needs you. And he's a popular enough figure that that could have been facilitated. So... You know, in my mind's eye, now, there's a very valid argument. You know, the counterpoint to that would be that the Democratic Party has really just lost their fucking minds. And <laughs> that's the best they could do is Biden. I mean, who knows? You know, I mean, Bernie, Bernie never really wanted to be president. That's a given. You know, a lot of the Sanders supporters. I mean, this is the second time he's done it. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand you know, man, he, he, he folded to Hillary and now he, now he's folding to Biden. He does not want to be president. He's in it for the sheer revenue aspects of it. He's in it as a business. Here's a guy who has never been successful at anything in his life leading up to this point. 
he's not a commercially successful person. So, you know, now here he has figured out how to sell books to, to nimwits that believe in socialist utopia. And that's kind of the lane he's in. And, you know, what better platform to go out and promote your book than to run for president? A lot of people also don't understand that when you're out there running for office and you're raising capital and all these things, a lot of that money cycles right back into your pocketbook. You get to keep a lot of it. Now, granted, we won't get into all the details of, you know, money that belongs to the DNC and the GOP and the different elective groups and things, but as a practical matter, it's extremely lucrative to run for president. Bottom line, bottom line is it's extremely lucrative to run for office. So, you know, um, and Bernie has been doing this as a business more than anything. This has been a business for Bernie. So, you know, to those of you that are saying, well, you know, they had Bernie, Bernie never wanted to be president, was never going to be president. And, you know, it's only natural that he, he stepped aside and, and gave the, the, the nod to, to Biden. But again, it just kind of points to that concept of, man, are the, are the Democratic Party, are they throwing the 2020 election? And it looks like they are. And if they are, then why? You know, which again, just points back kind of to Trump because, you know, Trump, like I said, he gave this thing the national stage. He totally gave COVID-19 the national stage. He put together the COVID-19 task force. He he started doing morning press briefings on it every single day. And when Trump speaks, the nation tunes in. He's a ratings magnet. He says so himself repeatedly. You know, nothing that could have been done would have drawn more attention to it than Trump giving it that attention. And so it's just extremely concerning, to say the least, what he's done there. Now, that being said, a lot of people will say, well, had he done nothing, the left would have attacked him. The left would have attacked him. That seems to be the most common, you know, counter argument to that point. But I say, well, they haven't stopped attacking him. They were going to attack him regardless I mean, he's not going to suddenly win over New York and California. And he knows that. And I think everybody listening knows that. You know, the radical left, if they're not already in cahoots, is never going to just magically support Trump. So why then would he take this approach? And it comes down to one of two things. Either the most concerning is he's in that group with them, you know, with the Gateses and the Clintons and the Bushes um, and the Obamas, you know, I mean, we all know that the Clintons, the Bushes and the Obamas are the same camp. There is really no distinction, although, you know, the Bushes profess to be a different political alignment than the Clintons and the Obamas, you know, that simply isn't true. I mean, there's all sorts of pictures and press of them all rubbing elbows and, you know, they're, they're all in love with one another and very clearly in the same camp. And that's, you know, a whole nother podcast that we could get into in and of itself, just the whole nine 11 stuff and all the bizarreness around that and the involvement of, of those groups working together. But nonetheless, you know, but let's say, let's say, let's, let's for the sake of this podcast, let's say, well, Let's not go there. Let's say, let's not operate on the premise that Trump is involved and is not our guy. Let's assume that he's still on our side. He's still a good guy. He wants to see a free and prosperous America. You know, and and, and I certainly hope that's the case. Well, if that's the case, he still made a tremendous, tremendous mistake. 
and it's a bell that is going to be extremely difficult to unring. I mean, you can't take a group of leftists that are always, always looking for a handout, always, always looking for an excuse to not have to work, always looking for an excuse for the government to support them or for those that do work and produce to support them. You can't take that group of people and say, hey, here's this big, bad, scary disease that's going to kill everybody. It's going to wipe out millions of people and dedicate all the time and energy putting that in front of their face and then getting the, the lockdowns and everything else going. And then in a completely asinine move, make it to where they make $600 more per week than they do working. You can't take that group of people and now unring that bell and say, well, now it's time to get back to work. Go back out and face this virus we've convinced you was so deadly and also do so while making less money and working. I mean, that's a very, very difficult bell to unring. In the subset of their minds, they're going to they're going to fight that tooth and nail. I don't know why Trump ever signed off on the concept of people making $600 more per week than they were working. That just is beyond asinine, and I think it's going to prove to be yet another, you know, downfall. Um, and, you know, I mean, like it or not, mistakes were made. And some of these mistakes, I hope this doesn't go down as his legacy. And more importantly, I hope this isn't what brings the country to its knees long term because unringing this bell is going to be so, so difficult. You opened up the window. Look at Pelosi this last week um, putting a $3 trillion bailout package through Congress that she knows is DOA. Everyone who approved it, all the yeas, they know it's dead in arrival at the Senate. You know, but you opened the door in what's been done here for that type of political stunt. Because now they can come back and say, oh, your $3 trillion package got pushed through, but ours didn't. And even within the first $3 trillion package, so, so much of the stuff that was in there that you conceded to, you know, $25 million for the Kennedy Center of the Arts. Um, I mean, God, we could go on and on. Just all the, the pork that was in that bill. You conceded to it. Trump signed it. You know, um, GOP, the Republicans didn't take a firm stand on getting that stuff cleaned out. And at the time, there was likely the political power within the country to do so, to do so. You know, I mean, they got very public after it was signed and kind of, you know, played the game there. But again, just got to raises so many questions. Why? Why did they allow the junk that was in that first bill to go through? Because now, now you can't stand on principle. Now, when they put junk in the next bill, they can point to you and say, hey, you did it the first time, and now you're saying we can't do it just because, you know, hey, look, this is partisan. This isn't about the virus. And now he's opened himself up to all of that skepticism. And now they have a leg to stand on because, because of what's been created. But here's what I think happened. If you, if you say, okay, let's not presume that Trump is involved in all this. Let's, let's presume that he's a great guy and still wants what's best for America. Let's look at what probably happened. And this is, this is pr a pretty good explanation of how this went. Um, they came to Trump. They said, look, here's what's going on in China. And they shared with him the real death tallies, the totals. They said, look, this is, this is horrible. They're losing millions of lives. And Trump was not able to distinguish how differently that would play out in America 
versus how it was playing out in Beijing. If you take the city of like Beijing, Wuhan, Wuhan, for example, is like 10 times the size of New York, okay? These Asian cities, for those of you that haven't been there, they're massive. We're talking just total urban sprawl, unlike any of the metropolitan areas you see in the United States. Um, you know, so you have people living on top of people. In the nation of Asia, or China, nation of Asia, continent of Asia, in the nation, in the nation of China, you have people living on top of people, extremely densely populated cities, huge metroplexes. And within that, you know, you just have everyone living in very close proximity, the building and construction codes and such, although they have many, many, many big, beautiful buildings and a lot of their newer stuff is very nice. A lot of the older buildings, you know, are kind of like getting on an airplane where the air from one floor travels to the next, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, recirculation of air within those buildings and those apartment complexes. And, you know, I mean, it's not uncommon for, for people to live in a 200 square foot apartment. It's just not. So, you know, the dynamics there are completely different. You have just such close proximity. Now you add to that, that for whatever reason, minority groups, um, if you call them minority groups, we're so funny. That's a, that's a whole other subject. But um, you know, different ethnicities that are not white <laughs> seem to be um, more impacted by COVID nineteen for whatever reason than others. Now, some of that might be socioeconomic. Some of that might be geography. I mean, it, you know, it's it's really hard to to pin it down to just a, a, the ethnicity. But you know, go on the CDC site and look at that. It's kind of interesting. But anyhow. Within the nation of China, this was spreading in a certain way. And let's presume that Trump was handed that data. And he just, again, this is a mistake. In any way you cut it, Trump made a mistake. They handed him the data. They said, look what's happening in Asia. He didn't break down some of the things I just told you. The fact that, you know, the water system, the sewage system the is, is not as efficient there. Medical care, um, not as efficient there socialized medical care so you don't have as good medical care as we have here in the United States nowhere in the world contrary to what the media wants to tell you has quite as good of medical infrastructure and so on and so forth as as the United States um so he looks at that and he says hey this is horrible this is this is scary this is the apocalypse then he didn't put together the rationale that most of us that have access to this kind of information would know which is even if it were catastrophic even if this thing were the apocalypse in china when it hits the american shores it's going to be a different story we have cleaner water supply we have better cleaner food distribution processes better cleaner living standards um you know a more sparse or spread out population better medical care better testing better just a much better overall situation where any disease, any disease is not going to spread the same as it does in other countries. It's, it's, it's completely inaccurate and inappropriate to look at how something behaves in a foreign land and think that it's going to behave the same once it hits the, the shores of the United States. We just have a better infrastructure and a higher standard of living than practically, than most, than most places, especially when you're talking Asia. Now, if you get over into like European countries, you know, there's cities there. I've I don't know if you spent a lot of time over there, but, you know, I've spent a fair amount of time in, in some of those cities. And, and you know, I mean, they're, they have equal or greater standard of living, especially as compared to, like, in New York. And then that brings me to the, the second point. When you're talking about 
you know, New York City. So here Trump is. He sees this thing hitting Asia. He's told it's catastrophic. It's the apocalypse there. Um, there's all these horrible things happening. He kind of panics. He bans Asian travel, bans European travel, and um, starts taking the measures to, you know, protect the United States. Then it gets here, and it starts to spread throughout New York City. And what happens in New York City, mind you, is going to be several times less severe than what happened in China. Um, so it it shrinks a little bit. It 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 drops off. It 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 drops off a little bit, and um, it's not as severe, but still severe. And Trump doesn't have the knowledge for whatever reason doesn't take the time to think about this maybe because he's just a new york guy you know that may be part of this the fact that he's a new york guy born and raised he spends so much of his life in and around that northeast area you know just his lack of understanding of how the american terrain differs from even that and and especially how it differs when you talk about the spread of a virus such as covid 19 so it hits new york and it starts to kind of have an extreme impact there and then the entire nation reacts to how this thing is happening and how it's translating in the city of new york which again you go from china to new york and it's going to be less severe now equally so you go from new york to the rest of the country and it's going to be that much less severe. And no one really put this thing together. No one stopped and thought. Like in New York City, for example, the streets are literally full of shit. Meaning, um, if you've been there, it's, it's, it's really interesting. You know, the just like when you take your finger and you put it over the top of a straw, the water can't come out. Um, you know, you have all these high-rise buildings in very close proximity and actually relatively old infrastructure. And in order for those sewer systems to work and to ventilate and everything, they literally, out the side of those buildings, have, you know, holes where the, where the sewer systems or the sewer pipes can get air and ventilation. And then the sewer, when it hits the street and it drops, you have um, ventilation into the streets. So when you're walking around New York City, you're literally breathing in a lot of nasty stuff, a lot of feces and human waste. And so... That's going to obviously impact tremendously, tremendously how a virus spreads in New York City versus how it does when you get further out west. It, there's, just, there's just no comparison. You say, look, here's something in New York. There is absolutely no reason. I mean, even in upper New York, even in, even in upstate New York, this thing didn't spread. Cuomo himself has been on the air talking about how in upstate New York, they're furloughing doctors, they're closing down hospitals. You know, they, they acknowledge that. I mean, when you say New York, I guess I should clarify, really, Manhattan. Really, they're in Manhattan, in the, in the actual city. Same with New Jersey, across, the, across the, the river there. I mean, these are just highly, highly densely populated areas, tremendously old infrastructure, less clean sewage disposal systems, lots of ventilation into the streets, just, just, a, just a completely different dynamic than what you're going to see anywhere else in the country. And so... They didn't break it down. They didn't say, okay, this is going to be much less worse in New York. And then once it gets to the rest of the country, it's going to be much less, much, much less than it was even, even for New York versus, versus Asia. So that may have been the mistake. It may be as simple as just that. Just It was a, just a logistical calculation error. 
and then once it got once the opportunists got a hold of it then they wouldn't let it go you know because they've been looking for something like this now you've got all this money involved the states are able to use this as an excuse for years and years of the bad management of their money um you know most of these states were bankrupt or running huge deficits well prior to we're well prior to COVID-19 and now this gives them an excuse to kind of look for that bailout and continue to support their leftist agendas. I mean, there's, there's lots of ways that, that that could very well be the case, but you have to, I think, I think acknowledging that a mistake was made is important. And it's been kind of frustrating me to watch, you know, I watched Trump go on and he's, he's trying to play the China card. Um, if you've listened to previous podcasts, you know how I feel about that. I don't, I don't really feel like pointing the finger at other nations um, and worrying about what they do or don't do is is of grave, you know, concern to us or is the smartest move for us. You know, instead he's, you know, and all the politicians are doing this. They're out there touting their response to this. Hey, look, we did great things. We saved millions of lives. The shutdown saved lives rather than doing what they should be doing, which was, look, I got bad data, period. This thing didn't take like we thought it was going to take. There was no avalanche of death. There was no windfall outbreaks. You know, no one, no one wants to own up to it. No one will admit to it. And so because of that, we're stuck in this downward spiral that is going to be extremely difficult to, to climb out of. The only way I fear that we truly climb out of this is this is going to lead to a revolution of sorts. Now, whether that revolution turns violent or not is to be determined, but something's going to have to give because these democratic governors, they don't give a shit about their populace. They don't care how many people go into poverty. They don't care how many businesses close. They don't care how many people die. Nothing matters to them more than their agenda. And they're patient and they're willing to wait this out. And it's a, it's a scary thing. So shy of patriots rising up within those states and in literal fashion overthrowing those governments, they may not let go of this because Trump made the mistake of opening this window. And the only way he can unring this bell is to come out like he should have done very early on. I mean, by, by April, it was pretty clear that it wasn't spreading the way that they had thought. I mean, it had been here since January. Arguably now they're saying it could have been here as early as October, November. I mean, look, when a virus hits the American shores, given the way that we travel and just the close contact and the activity that we have, 90 days in, you're already outside of the containment zone. You're not going to contain the spread of that virus. And so they come out and nor did they represent that, remember. That's the that's the other bizarre thing here. They they didn't represent that they were going to contain the spread. They said, hey, we're going to slow the curve, which is such an asinine comment, really, because you if you can't contain the spread, you can't somehow magically contain hospitalization rates. That's kind of an absurd comment in and of itself. Like it's going to spread, it's going to you know, we're going to have the, the contagion factor, but I mean, just everything about it. I'm sure most of you listening are, are going crazy with this. Your BS alarms just have to be going off 24 seven, you know, like you can go to Lowe's and Walmart, but you can't go to your locally owned businesses. Um, you know, the churches all caved and closed down. Um, 
it's just been an astonishing thing to witness and you know we just have to stay so vigilant and be prepared for what comes next which is this is going to take a pretty major uprising of the people this is going to have to be something that we fight back on hard this is not going to go away easily this is a like i said a bell that's been rung that can't be unrung in in a in light fashion um and you know unfortunately trump is to blame i mean he gave this thing light he gave it this window and now we have to deal with it and supporting him through this blunder is going to be difficult because one of two things is going to happen in the very near coming weeks he's either going to show himself to not be a patriot and not be on our side or he's going to have to come out and say look you know i've got to put the hammer down i mean when he stood governor camp in the back that was pretty despicable i couldn't believe that you know here's camp trying to open up and then you got trump on national tv saying you know nope he's 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 going outside of the guidelines and everything about how he's quote-unquote supported the reopening has been kind of silly you know he hasn't until just these last couple days really came out he supported elon musk in elon's opening he put the tweet out and said look california should let elon musk open up and that was really the first move that was really the first move towards him being the trump i remember the trump that we all elected you know the guy that isn't scared and isn't pussyfooting around the situation isn't straddling the fence you know, but I also see him making comments like, we're going to mobilize the U.S. military to deliver the vaccinations. That's, that's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. Why the fuck would you need the U.S. military mobilized to deliver vaccinations? There is ample medical infrastructure. He himself has been on television saying, look, America's doing more testing, number one in testing all over the world. We're fantastic at this. He's been touting the American medical infrastructure, yet simultaneously he's saying that, you know, we need to be prepared to have the military involved in the in the disbursement of the vaccinations, which, man, that's a whole other arena. But listen, stay vigilant. That's, that's, you know, if there's one message I'm trying to get across here, it's don't be so sold on the jersey that you forget that both teams might support the game. To elaborate on that, you know, you might have an NFL, you might have an NFC and an AFC, but when it comes time to protect that game or to protect the Super Bowl where they all make their money, you might, you might find that they'll all defend the league. And I kind of see the same thing developing here. You might have you know, a red jersey or a blue jersey on, but remember that the most important thing is that you're an American first. And, you know, we don't want to be a group that follows Trump to the point where we allow ourselves to be manipulated by that. You know, I mean, this is this is unlike anything we've ever seen in our lifetimes. You know, shutting down over a virus with a 99.9 plus survival rate allowing the complete shutdown of our economy, the surrendering of rights, the infringement on personal liberties, them coming out and saying you can't have church. The church is then cowering to the government and not standing up for that. I mean, just never would I even have thought, and I'm a conspiracy theorist type guy, as you probably know. I mean, I 
there's not many things I would would question in terms of their possibility. But even I wouldn't have thought that you would see America cave so easily. And a lot of that has been because those that would typically rise up and be raising questions and be saying, well, just a damn minute, they're comfortable. They're comfortable because they feel like Trump is in charge and that he's with them. But I would argue that we need to be extremely cautious of presuming that, given the circumstances. So, you know, stay vigilant, be thoughtful, and always be skeptical of those in power.